Welcome back, questioners. So we stopped at the clapback from Brie Joy uh, to Charlotte Clymer. This was a Twitter uh, conversation that was happening um, revolving around privilege. And um, for those of us who don't know what a clapback is, this is a, I guess, millennial slang. But uh, it's essentially a comeback or clever response to a comment or insult from someone either in person or online. So being the nerd that I am, I actually looked up when clapback entered our lexicon or this generation's word bank of sorts. And according to the website slangit.com, it became popularized in 2017, where it was primarily used to refer to comebacks online and on social media. But I also found that it also happens to be the name of a Ja Rule song. Yes, Ja Rule, the rapper who re-entered our consciousness. If you were a kid of the 90s and 2000s, Ja Rule used to be like that guy, like the rapper. Um, but he entered, re-entered our consciousness during the Fire Festival debacle in 2017. Um, and Ja Rule's song, Clapback, actually came out in 2003 on his album called Blood in My Eye. All right. Anyway, enough about the history of Clapback and back to where we left off in part one. So what we heard was Bree Joy's response to Charlotte Clymer's tweet referring to Bree's privilege of having two educated parents who could send her to private school. Now, for clarification on the optics... Brie is a black woman. Charlotte is a white trans woman. Now, let's get back to that pit stop on the black privilege conversation train and hear what else the crew had to say on the topic for the remainder of this live episode. Enjoy. Brie, Brie, joy. While I see where she's coming from, she came at it a, a little too hot there. And I see where Charlotte's coming from. Huh? She read Charlotte, right? Okay, go ahead. But that's my thing. The questioning everything podcast, the rhetoric, we got to be careful about how we speak to each other because we can't hear each other for talking past each other. And that's the big thing I want people to understand. So while I find it funny that she read her, but what was her point? Was she going to try to educate Charlotte or try to get Charlotte to have a dialogue? You can't get a dialogue when you're immediately putting in that connotation you were at brunch. She's making an assumption that what Charlotte is a lady who brunches, you know, very frivolous, casual lifestyle, doesn't really have to be focused, doesn't clearly didn't realize that people have been dying since before the election. And that's my problem is like, while I see what Bree's point is, what was the what was her final end goal with that? And then the conversation evolves into Charlotte going back and saying, you know, Bree, Bree, who is very similar to us on this call. Brie was a privilege, had a privilege in her life. She was, a, she went to private school while her parents were, you know, teachers, or I think one of her parents was an educator. They all went to college. Both of her parents went to college and they put her through private school. And Charlotte is a victim, is a child of uh, a single parent family household, poverty, severe abject poverty, no family members that had ever been to college. And so Charlotte tries to make the case that there is a certain level of privilege that Brie experienced and they just keep going back and forth. But we all, but my issue with the comment was that Brie tries to bring in that, Brie I think was immediately put off by the 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 word privilege, which we all have been talking about. We're not really a fan of the word. And I think Brie in being put off by that, you know, still went back on the offense to, to Charlotte. But there is some truth to what Charlotte said. There is certain levels of privilege that Brie experienced that Charlotte didn't by nature of her socioeconomic status and her education. Was Brie black? Brie is black. I didn't see it. Brie is black. Here's the thing. Here's, here's my thing. You already know I'm going to be devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Already know. I'm going to be Go devil's for advocate. It. I'm tired. I'm tired. And mm-hmm. there's so many people who's tired. There's so many people who's tired. I'm tired of being nice. I'm t- I'm sorry. I'm tired. And there's so many but, but what, tired. what do you accomplish by not being nice? What do you accomplish? What's the goal with not being nice? It's not, even, it's not even a not being nice. It's just a. I'm, I'm just. It, 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 for some people, it'll make them feel better because, like for me, like when I say she read her, she was like, oh, that brunch that was snark that was snarky. But as as a nut from black woman to black woman, you know. She could have read her for filth. She could have said so much more. She could have done a deep dive on this girl's life, mm-hmm. on this lady's history. She could have did so 
much. That was as and that wasn't even a mean thing she said. It was just snark. It was just, a, it was just a smart mouth. You know what I mean? Like to me, I like it. It could have done damage, but I feel like part of me feels like, like if someone was like, "Oh, you're a stupid bitch," I'm not gonna get offended because that's not that's not what I am. Right. You can say whatever. You know what I'm saying? That's not that's not what I am. That's not who I am. So. And I think also it does come with even even the girl who even Charlotte has privilege to be you you went to the military. Of course. Yeah. And you're now living mm-hmm. trans. How many black trans have been murdered? Right. That's true. How many she even if she's trans, you don't have you she even I'm sorry. There's nothing that she could have ever gone through that could have been worse than what black people go through. Oh, oh, oh I gotta stop you right there because that's a problem. What? We cannot, we cannot do this comparison game. We can't, we can't but because it's... show me EJ Johnson. Has EJ Johnson gone through worse things than Charlotte has? <laughs> you tell There's, me. I don't know about EJ Johnson. EJ Michael Jordan, Jordan, his kids. He's, no, we got to be careful. We got to be careful as a society. We do this thing where we try to do this, like, compare and contrast. And yes, there are times where there is a compare and contrast where it is graver than one is graver. Like me stubbing my toe versus getting it amputated. Those are graver. But we cannot presume to understand someone's struggle. And we got to stop doing that. Yeah. But it, it's not even a... But it's a... It's a natural, it's a natural reaction because I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, you know, reread what Charlotte said. Thank re-read you. What Charlotte said I'll reread it. But we, we had comments. Danny says she agrees with you, Robin. And uh, Minnie Crippleton puts suffering Olympics. And that's where I come in, you know, because the, one of the images I just saw on LinkedIn was that we, there are so many things people are going through that they don't talk about. Yeah, and absolutely. we have to be careful. We have to be careful about assuming we know about somebody's struggle because everyone has a story Yeah, and we cannot, we cannot tell someone's story before they tell it. That's, that's very true. I will never assume to ever know someone's story unless I personally know them and personally know their story. But honestly, I don't think, I feel like Brie could have came back at her 10 times worse Mm -hmm. that she didn't. And she didn't. You, you know, we we can deliver it. We can we can we can deliver it down to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I just what did Danny say? I just it just popped up, and I just feel like she's saying some very very yeah. loaded statements, and I'm gonna read them. But Danny, this is gonna go live, so I hope no one comes for you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, Danny, Danny wrote. And again, this is Danny's comments, but Danny wrote, trans never had to experience the trauma we experienced. We've been not only beaten, raped, and system- systematically put in a category, but we still don't have rights. In retrospect, we're still three-fifths have- of a person. And they have more rights than we do. Trans, trans people, trans women. A, a lot of, a tra- yeah, trans, uh, a lot of trans people. Like the LGBTQ plus community, I don't know what type of, and I don't know if this is going to be offensive, but I don't. I you already. But I don't know what type. Sound of like you're about to be offensive, but I'm gonna let no, you say I, it. But we will no, color I, it. I'm just trying to be. I don't know, because you know I'm a jokester, but I don't know if someone's gonna take offense to what I'm about to say, and it's not meant to be offensive. But I don't know what type of rainbow power they got. But where can we get some? Because I don't. If their power is coming. From this rainbow flag, can we get a little piece of it? Because y'all band together like no other. Oh, but I, that's another topic. We, we gonna, we're getting off topic. I'm going to tell you because it goes into layers. Because there's a lot of dysfunction within the LGBTQ plus groups. There is. Yeah, there, really is. there is. Lesbians, we feel some kind of way. Trans, black people feel some kind of way. Gay men feel some kind of way. There's racism within lesbians and gays and even the trans folks so there's a, it goes it has many layers but what'd you like, say uh, you said why can't we all do kumbaya 
and sing and, and hold hands and be friends. And watch Don't Trust the Beat from Apartment 23 together and sip some wine. That's all I ever want in life. So do I. Why? And that's why I started the Questioning Everything podcast so we can have civil discourse and talk through these things. And everyone is entitled to their opinions. And I'm never going to stop you. As Danny shared, this is what she believes. And, but again, you know, I have to be the person that has to be that balancer. And I want to say, again, we can't get into the suffering Olympics. We can all yeah. believe what we are suffering happen is more, is more grave and more worthy of, you know, whatever, empathy, sympathy, whatever. But someone else is going to always come back and tell you, no, my story's worse. So just keeping that, keeping that in mind. But we're going to move on to the second layer of the Black privilege conversation. Layer two. Layer two is Black male privilege with Robin already kind of introduced us to. So now we know that Black male privilege is the equivalent or the obvious counterpart to the popular concept of white male privilege, which is, you know, uh, whereas a white male whether you're qualified, whether you have the experience, whether you know, whether you, whether you have anything, you are somehow always going to have to get up on top. You have better credit <laughs> coming out. I actually dated a white man who told me this, that he had better credit just by being white. And it's true. Actually, if you go through the factors of what creates your credit, being white is actually still held higher to create a better credit score. Now, from black male privilege, it's a little bit more nuanced, okay? So we're going to talk about, so my, what I'm going to bring up is the experience of Nigerian. So as a Nigerian American, I was raised in a household that taught, that was raised, I was raised in a Nigerian cultural way, even though I lived in America. And for example, we know that in Nigerian culture, there is a very, it's a patriarchal culture. It's focused on men, men inherit everything, men's last names, even girls, something that you'll learn about the Igbo culture specifically, which is one of the 200 tribes, but it's one of the larger of the 200 tribes that are in Nigeria. In Igbo culture, when I go and talk, meet another Igbo person and they ask me, where am I from? I say my father's land. I never say anything about my mom's, where my mother is from. I don't say her village. I always say my father's land. So that idea that it's almost as if, if my child, if I had a, if I was a man and I had a child with an Asian woman, a Chinese woman, and that child was biracially Chinese, that Chinese child went to Nigeria. That Chinese child had to say that they're from my village. They can't say that they're Chinese. They have to say, or they're part Chinese. They will say, I'm from Umujoka, or I'm from this village or this state, which is the state of my father. So here we set that up for you, right? Now, one of the things that in my parents' household that was a common thing for me and that bugged the crap out of me was the difference in how my sisters and my brothers were raised. My sisters and I were raised very differently. And I think Robin is clapping because I think similar things happen with African, in your African-American childhood and your household. And so my household, I had to be ladylike. I had to do well in school at all times. I had to be home at certain hours. There were things I couldn't say or do or eat even, okay? My brothers had the good old boys lifestyle. They were allowed to run rambunctiously. They were allowed to stay out however late they were. If they talked back, it wasn't as quick of a, a swift, you know, disciplinary action that was taken with them. And in addition to that, they got that good old boys mentality. They got coddled a lot more. And part of it could be because we understand the difficulty that Black men experience in America. My parents were concerned about them either being, you know, treated unfairly because they were Black boys. There are so many different factors that could have played into it. But one of the things that I've seen is that as a result of my brothers getting that privilege, it has caused them to be quite entitled. And as a result, they have lived, they have, they have not achieved what my sisters have because they felt like they've always been entitled to it. So whether it's education, they thought they were too good for education. They thought they were too good to really try very hard. And as a result, there has been a severe failure to thrive for both of them, failure to launch. And unfortunately, until this day, these two young men are under the, the thumb of their parents. They're being supported by their parents. I'm in my thirties and these are my older siblings. So I can tell you, what, is that, what does that sound like when an older male is still being supported financially by his parents? That is, if that's not male privilege, I, I don't know what is. My parents have never supported me in the ways that those two young men have been supported. They have been given opportunity after opportunity to be the ones that are the heirs to the family that keep the name going. And because of that, it has essentially turned them into a mess, unfortunately, keeping it 100. 
and they can say whatever they want, but they can come here and show us what their successes are when they have the opportunity to. They can rebuttal all this if they want to, but that's where I see black male privilege happening is this coddling that's done to either offset the fact that the world isn't really kind to black men, but it has created a problem. It has created a problem. Um, some of the things that were not treated as serious issues that these young men did, such as lying, cheating, abusive behavior, misogyny, it was all treated as boys will be boys. And now those young men have taken those attitudes and that lack of consequences into adulthood and they still feel this sense of entitlement. So what do you, is this, have you seen a similar experience in your book, Robin, with how your siblings or boys were, you've seen how boys were raised in your family? Preach, woman, <laughs> preach. Lord. And it's, you know, we have a funny joke in my family. It's spoil the boys and raise the girls. And it's sad to say, but I think that a lot of in the black house. Oh my goodness. Do y'all hear my dog? Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love it. This is 2020. He keeps it all the way 100. Go ahead. He's just mad that I stopped petting him. I think not. Um, but it's so crazy because, and I think this is a lot of the problems that I have dating, even dating men now, is uh, the spoil the boys, raise the girls mentality. I, Black women were raised to survive and thrive through anything. Black men were raised to, to survive, but to know that either way you're going to be taken care of. You know what I mean? Like a lot of boys at a young age, they can, you know, once they graduate high school or college, they can come home. Girls don't have that luxury. Or if they have, if they can come home, there's, like you said, there's strict restrictions on things that they can and cannot do. Now, mm -hmm. I will say I am very fortunate enough to have a father and a mother who knew that Robin was the responsible child. So we're going to let Robin do what Robin wants to do. Because at the end of the day, who, who going to check it? But, <laughs> but there definitely is a difference in the raising between me and my brother. Like, for example, they pushed so hard for my brother to be able to go to go to college they pushed for him to go to college yeah they said we go to college we'll do this that and the other for you to go to college i didn't have that luxury really i i did I, I didn't have no i didn't have that luxury of having you know them being like why did you apply for school you are you gonna are you gonna apply for a school now granted i went to trade school did great in trade school you know what i mean but i definitely feel like i missed out on like a college experience but I definitely also feel like I was raised, I was not schooled in a situation like my brother was. Like my brother, for example, he, he, if, he, if he wrecked a car tomorrow, between my grandmother and my mother, he probably could get a new car. Robin comes in, mm -hmm. that's not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. Sorry, my dog just did some what? <laughs> that's I heard not it. But, um, I definitely feel as though that, and like a lot of, like, I see a lot of young mothers posting their sons on their shows, like, oh, yeah, this is King, this is my son, blah, blah, blah. Mm. You need to get a man because at the end of the day, he gonna leave you. Mm. He gonna leave. And I think that unfortunately, there's two, there's two spectrums to that, especially dealing with black men now. Um, either their mother coddled them and did everything for them or their mother did everything for them, but still, and talked to them crazy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And just talk to them any type of way. Um, mm -hmm. So they don't know how to have a healthy relationship mm -hmm. with somebody. Mm -hmm. But I definitely see that there is a lot, a lot of male, black mm -hmm. male privilege in the within. Within the black family dynamic, there is. Like I have a cousin. He didn't crash several cars. His mama gonna bail him out every single time. Every single time. And 
if that was a that was a female, mm-hmm. it's not the case. Like, not saying that a lot of the males in my family they don't have they aren't in good positions. Like a lot of them graduate. I have police officers in my family. Um, I have teachers. You know, people every type of walk of life of, mm-hmm. of like graduated college and stuff. But mm-hmm. for women, it was this is something that's either expected or they just didn't invest. So it's like one of those, those things where it's like, either you get the, get the, your expectations, I can't speak expectations, like from your parents or just not invested in it at all. So I think that those two um, ends of the, the spectrum for the black male privilege. For sure. And it is sad. I'm going to quickly read a a comment from um, Belle that was in the chat. Um, uh, Danny's still talking about the LGBTQ rights. We're going to pin, Danny, I will, we will circle back to this because we're going to have another conversation and we'll talk more about LGBTQ and have, and maybe that'll be the next conversation that um, topic that we, we start our conversation about is um, something that I actually have been wanting to talk about. And it's about the, the the trans movement, actually. It's something that is, uh, people or my husband is not comfortable because there is something that happens in this culture. You say anything about trans or gay people and it can be perceived as transphobic or homophobic and it can be the death sentence for, your, for you, your career. Uh, Dave Chappelle talks about it. He had his own incident with that whole joke that he made about the trans and uh, the car full of LGBTQ folks, and it did not play well. But we're going to have a conversation because, again, we are the Questioning Everything podcast. There are no stupid questions, and everything is up for discussion. We will talk about it, but, of course, always being sure to make sure that we're respectful and um, respecting other people's human dignity. Um, But the comments that Bell shared Bell shared about the topic of black male privilege. She goes, I think black males that are products of single mothers most definitely were coddled. They treat their sons like the men that left them. Wow. Loaded. Loaded. Um, you know, there's actually, it's really interesting. I'm going to share some more links later on. There was a, there was a, um, there was a, uh, Ricky Smiley. I don't know if any of you folks follow Ricky Smiley. He has a morning show. He's also has a show that's on, um, what is it? Live nation. Ricky Smiley shared a video that said black mothers destroy their sons. Ooh, the title just gets you real, real heated, but it kind of touches on what you said, Bill, which was that, um, in treating your sons as the like the men that you wanted or you'd hope stayed in your lives or it 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 can spoil your sons as well and create again that sense of male privilege and entitlement um i think it's a no no go for it no i think it's a fine line because you know a lot of times it's a i can do this by myself if you don't want to be a part of this i'm gonna do what i have to do um I think it's a fine line between try to trying to raise them to be a better man than mm-hmm. you have and mm-hmm. to tr- to raise them to be, you know, an upstanding or a good man and it being too much. Like, I think it's a, it's a very, very, very thin line to walk on. Um, and sometimes I think a lot of it can get misconstrued. Um, but I, but I do think there are some toxic mothers out there. Yeah, I definitely think. And and this is something that, um, you know, one of the questions I was going to follow up to is like this whole question of black male privilege. Is there a way for us to fix it? You know, could it be that we need to stop making excuses for black boys? You know, some of the behaviors that and I'm going to talk about this and I'll share the the research and the psychology behind why we say if your children exhibit certain behaviors after the age of seven or eight, it should concern you. Some of those behaviors include lying, cheating, cheating and abusive behavior. So if your child immediately gets into physical fights, is extremely quick to anger and believes physicality, whether it's on with men or women, these are things that you should be concerned about as parents and should not be brushed off as just boys will be boys. Yeah. Because what we find is those behaviors, if they don't get dealt with right away, they come back in adulthood. And we see that in the men that have uh, are abusive, engage in domestic violence, and ultimately live in lives of crime. The childhood consequences they didn't get, 
they think that uh, the society won't give them those consequences. And what we end up seeing is society ends up bringing that into their faces through jail and prison time and records. So what we think we're doing by helping him and not scaring him into thinking he's a bad boy, we don't necessarily need to label him a bad boy, but we do nip, we got to nip those behaviors in the bud. Because if we don't, we're going to be dealing with these men that don't know how to act. I have a question for you as well. Um, so do you think that a lot of times, um, for, for example, like you say, like lying, stealing, or being abusive, do you think that some of the times that could be cries for attention or cries for help, um, coming from like a single family, um, single family dynamic or even someone who's seven or eight and they have four older brothers and three younger brothers or whatever, whatever the case is. And they're stuck in the middle and as a middle child, Ooh, baby, I know that struggle. I know mm-hmm. the struggle, the child struggle, but do you think that it, some of it could be um, cries for help or cries for attention and not necessarily, um, Well, I mean, I guess it is a behavioral thing, but you get what I'm saying? 100%. And it is. And what what a lot of parents fail to realize, and I actually, I was a registered behavior technician. So I worked with kids on the spectrum, kids with behavioral problems. So not even on the spectrum, but kids that had severe behavioral behavioral issues. So maybe kicking, hitting, spitting, tantrum throwing, tantruming constantly. And what we find is that those behaviors those kids at some point learned that they could get attention, whether it was good attention or bad attention. So the the important thing that parents have to do and disciplinarians and authoritarians and teachers who are dealing with children who are displaying these types of negative behaviors is to extinct them. And extinction comes with not giving it any life, immediately providing a proportional disciplinary consequence to the behavior, So for instance, a child steals, you have to have a proportionate consequence for the stealing. Oh, you took this? Well, then we take time from the TV. So then you took this, we take time from the video games. You took this, you don't get the video game at all. And so you start to do things that either align yourself with the good behaviors so that the child starts to act more adaptive, not maladaptive. Maladaptive, when we say that in behaviorism, is behaviors that make it harder for you to function in society. Okay. But I want to go back to, um, to, I hope that answered your question. Did I answer what you were asking, Robin? Awesome. But in the chat, we had some lovely things from Belle and Danny. So, um, Belle, uh, they were just talking to him again about the insignificance. Danny actually not and mentioned that she was getting, she had talked to her fiance about how she treats her son. Is it your son? I, I'm talking about your son, right? Yeah. So that sometimes she was getting, you, she, her, he brought it to her attention that she was being a little too coddling. And I see this with a lot of black mothers and I see it with a lot of mothers in general, but I, because I'm around a lot of black women, I've seen it with them and their, their sons. And I'm not saying don't coddle your sons, just don't do it too much. And if you see behaviors that are bad, that are not good for the child, even in the future. Think futuristically always with your children because that's the thing that we fail to do. We love to be like, he's only five, he's only four, he's only six. If your child is out here lying and beating up people, you better tell him six, five, two, three, or zero. You don't be doing that. You can't do it. And I'm not gonna acknowledge you or give you the attention for that behavior if you're gonna keep doing it because you wanna extinct those behaviors. They are behaviors that... I don't want to scare people, but they are on the spectrum of behaviors that are typically exhibited by people who eventually get either conduct disorders as children or conduct disorders as adults, which are antisocial personality disorder, uh, obsessive compulsive personality disorder, um, all of these not great disorders. So you got to nip it in the bud. Early childhood education is great for helping with issues. Same with behavior. Very, very important. Get it in the bud. If they're three years old and they're doing something that you just don't want them to be doing at 30, try to work on making sure they don't do it at three. Um, Cause I try, like, I try to tell my, uh, like my God, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Cause um, like my God sister calls my, uh, my nephew Caden uh, King. And I'm like, 
that kind of rubs me the wrong way. But, you know, it's her kid, not mine. I'm just the fun auntie. But I've noticed that when uh, I go around, um, he he does not like he's at the he's at, he's six and so he's at the age where he doesn't like to hug anymore he doesn't want you to kiss him anymore and to me that's devastating because i am a love bug and i just want to squeeze him all the time but he does not i'm the only person who he allows to do that mm. i'm the person get out of here <laughs> 2020 in ags is that your daddy Tell daddy, tell Mr. Mr. Daddy, I said, what's up, Mr. Collins? No, no, no. Get out. Get out. I love this. I'm keeping this on the video. Have that, he's not gonna go if you have that. Oh. Now you get out. <laughs> I can't I say we're fighting with you right now, Dad. Oh. <laughs> this is why I'll I love your dad. You heard that sad. <laughs> He said, oh, I'll play with you later, Dad. Jesus. Sorry, oh, gosh. Over here, I'm laughing my behind <laughs> off. Um, but but, yeah. but I, because, you know, I'm the only person who he allows to, like, hug and kiss up on him. But in the same space, like, if I'm there, he starts to act up. I give him that look like, you want, like, you want me to kill you? <laughs> I will kill you, sir. I like you. Let me take you out. And like, he'll button up, fly straight. Like, I can give him a look and he'll get it together. Yeah. But with his mom, I'm going to do what I want. And I know how to help her, you know, because, but also, I spend time with him and have fun with him. I don't think she, I think she's, she's more of just a, dis, a disciplinarian. Maybe in his eyes. No, she does spend time with him. Let me not say that because she's not a bad mom at all. I don't want to seem like that. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like the fun aunt. Like, I'm the like, turn up. Same. Woo! But then when it's time to shut it on down, I'm like, okay. It's, we got the, let's, let's cut it out. Let's, let's wrap this up. I'm about to put Fantasia on so you can go to sleep. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? But I don't know how to help her because I see him, you know, kind of developing into, you know, those behaviors. Now, he's in a house full of women all day. All day. And it especially sucks now because he's in kindergarten and he doesn't have that social interaction with kids that he would have gotten mm -hmm. pre-pandemic. Um, so I don't know how to help and guide him or guide her into not making him into a human being. Mm -hmm. He's, the, you know what I'm saying? He's not there, but mm -hmm. I just think the, I don't want her to impose her will on him. If that makes sense. Um, so we got some more comments from the chat. I'm going to quickly, uh, Jess Trimey, our, one of our members of the dinner table, mentioned that um, a lot of this conversation goes back to the, the family privilege concept yeah. where, um, you know, when you're doing it as a single parent, you're just doing the best that you can. And this is important for us. to. I just felt like the important to knowledge that, you know, that's what happens when you feel that there's another parent that's not there. You feel this over this need to overcompensate. And I feel like a lot of mothers especially single mothers have that feeling. Um, and then also that can also happen even in a two parent household. Sometimes the husband can be the disciplinarian or he can be a little bit stricter. And so the mother will feel this need to be softer on the children or the boys specifically. And, you know, maybe isn't as heavy handed as she might want to be. But one of the other uh, comments in the chat is that everyone wants to see your dog, Robin. So show us the dog, show us the duel. handsome boy oh my Sit gosh down. i love him he's my favorite dog ever me and him be bonding the other one he's i don't know where he is because he's deaf and he left. say his name what's his name boozer boozer boozer, boozer. yeah he's not paying attention no you probably not coming here 
So there's my dog. Well, one of them. I love him. I can't wait till I come back to Maryland. I need to pet my boo. Boozer. Boozer. This is what happens when you come spend time with your parents, but you but you have stuff to do. Yeah. I'm just I'm in this house. <laughs> but yeah what happened oh but somebody brought up jumping the broom but yes jumping the broom is first off have you guys seen the show um i'm dating a mama's boy let me tell you how half of these mamas would have had my foot at their neck because they are disrespectful they are rude it is horrible and y'all I done figured out how to be able to see the comments. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share my screen so we can all be part of the conversation. Finally, we figured it out, y'all. We done figured it out. Oh, no. Oh, hold on, hold on. I done did it. Cancel. Hold on. Hold on. Let me get it. Let me. Oh, girl. Girl, struggle is real right now. Um, so we have one last layer of this conversation that um, we got to get to. Yeah. But I want to say that we're not going to stop this. This isn't the end of this. If you have questions and comments, you put them in the chat. I'm actually about to share the screen so we can actually go through the comments that the folks who weren't able to get into the actual group were, um, have been saying this whole time <laughs> that we have not been able to see and only uh, Danny and uh, Belle have been able to see. Definitely um, I definitely think there's, there needs to be balance. Yes, there does need to be balance. Very much so. And that's the biggest key takeaway is balancing in the household in terms of how parents treat their their men, their girls and boys, but then also how moms are, you know, disciplining the young men, you know? So let me quickly share my screen, like I'll say. So yeah, Robin, please, if you want to read the comments that are coming in, you're welcome. Girl, who can read that? All the comments? (laughs) Because how you're sharing the screen, let me tell you, my eyes, yep, nope, that's not going to work. Oh, okay, yeah, don't, don't, don't you look at it if you're in the conversation. Don't worry about your screen. But um, I'm, can I actually make it bigger? What is it? But is Danny, it really, really tiny for y'all? It's extremely. <laughs> Danny, how old is your son? Um. Daddy. No. I know how old your sons are, Father. I do. Yes, Father. Shout out to all the folks watching and commenting. My homegirl, Jesse. we went to college together. Lovely lady. Um, and Jess Trimy, so sorry, Jess, that you were not in this in this con- in the group. I hope I wish y'all would I, why didn't y'all click the link when I shared it in the live video? But they were in there already. Hmm? Oh, I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> in 2020, my husband's about to shower. So if you hear the shower running. I just want to address another yeah. thing. Danny, I feel like at two and six months, smother them babies. You better smother them babies with all the love. Because when I tell you that's something that I know for a fact that they're going to remember, you smother them babies with all the love. I just think when it comes to um, when they start to develop uh, bad behavior, not to coddle. I think that's the thing, not coddling. Like, because at two, I know I had my nephew and I was here and he was here and we was here together. And we are inseparable. That is my homie. We call Santa together every year. I threatened to call Santa every year. But I think at two, in six months, sm- it's. Uh, I feel like it's okay to be a smother, a smothering mother. I feel like it's okay. Um, I just think it comes to what not uh, rewarding bad behavior, and you know, even having open conversations um, about because, like, even little kids, you can talk to them. Like, they're they're people too. You could talk to them about their bad behavior, like. Um, I talked to, like, I talked to my nephew about why the other day he said, he said, fuck school. And I said, oh, whoa. Mm. <laughs> oh, how did we get there, bro? 
Now my Nigerian ears, we can't be saying that. Right. And so he was saying it to, and I, I heard him instead of like, you know, popping off and wanting to cuss and fuss at him. I'm like, well, where did you hear that? And why did you say that? And he explained where he heard it and why he said it. Um, because he was delivering produce for needy families in Baltimore with my mom, uh, this whole, uh, this whole summer. He said, I just want to deliver produce to needy families. And I said, okay, well, that's honorable, but you want to be the boss, not the worker. I said, and you have to go to school to be Mm -hmm. the boss. So it's even just about having an open conversation with them, you know? But they two in six months. You smothered him, baby. Okay, Danny's heading out. She says she loves us. Thank you, Danny. Oh, my goodness. Look at these cuties. Oh, my God. That one looks like you. Danny. They both. Your babies are so cute. Oh, my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta, indeed. Oh, they're so daggone cute. Okay. Squeezable. Squeezable children that you just shared us, shared with us just now. Thank you. We'll see you later, girl. Come back. We're going to have another conversation about this. We're going to set this up. Maybe we can do, what do we do? Maybe every month we'll do one, one monthly live session of the Questioning Everything podcast. We will include um, our friends from the dinner table and any of my friend groups, your friend groups, please join the conversation. I just wanted to quickly, we're wrapping up. We got eight minutes left. We didn't even get to the black celebrity, which was the other part of this conversation. So maybe we'll put a, a summer, a semi pin in that. We can talk a little bit about it. So give you guys some things to talk about or think about if you want to make comments or send us a message. Um, but I wanted to just quickly pivot to the, the chat group that is watching us have this conversation, but not in the actual chat room with us. Uh, one of my friends who's Chinese American she said that everything that we just said about the black family and some of these experiences can be applied for the Chinese fam. And that makes sense because a lot of these groups, a lot of cultural um, ethnic groups have that same emphasis on patriarchy or on men and focus on boys and uplifting the boys and the girls because they're going to marry out. They're just not as uh, focused on or maybe not given as much um, of the same freedoms, I guess I could say. Um, But thank you for that, Jesse. We love you. Um, and yes, we're going to have another conversation. Jesse, you're going to have to come in and talk to us more. Jess, try me also excited said that she wants to hear more about that. So we're going to have to have this again, and we're going to have more cultural folks than just these beautiful black women that are in the group right now. I love you ladies. Um, but the black celebrity thing, I'm going to quickly just bring it up. If we can have enough time, we got six minutes after I bring it up, Robin, Minnie, uh, Bell, if you want to say, say your piece and even the folks in the chat room. Um, so as you can see, you can see my screen, uh, the celebrity black privilege. So one of the things that made me think about that was OJ Simpson. And if you have all seen, if anyone has seen the mini series, uh, the people versus OJ Simpson, there's a scene in it that ne- that has stuck with me to this day. And it goes Cuba Gooding Jr. As OJ Simpson, he exclaims to his family after he'd been questioned about the Nicole Brown Simpson murder, he goes, I'm not black. I'm, I'm OJ. And If that doesn't, I mean, if that doesn't say anything about privilege and celebrity status, and this is a man that was in the nineties, the seventies, he came up to where he is in the seventies and eighties. He, that was one of, that was one of the most racist times in the country. I mean, we were still uh, desegregating schools in Virginia at that point. So for him to say that there has to be some weight given to the concept of black celebrity and how it can also be a form of privilege. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I definitely like this one of my favorite Jay-Z songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but the I'm not black, I'm OJ thing is just it's mind boggling. But we even talked about this a little bit earlier with um <laughs> Lil Wayne endorsing Trump. Like mm-hmm. like our hello? Are you are you that celebrity that you have a disconnect? with the people who put you in your celebrity status, like, that makes no sense. I think that they, and I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say this. I don't, I think that definitely Black celebrity is a thing. Celebrity privilege is a thing. But at the end of the day, I hate to say it, 
and it's gonna come off really mean and I apologize, but I still feel like they're caged, trained darkest animals. Not calling them animals because that's racist mm-hmm. and that's horrible, but the print the the idea of it is you have all of this privilege only because you're a celebrity and you're only a celebrity and well off because you and I hate to say it because a white man has allowed you to have that celebrity status because if you think about it there are plant there are lots of singers and rappers who are amazing who don't have that celebrity or that money status mm-hmm. I mean and at the end of the day unless you're Jay-Z you technically are still working for a white man Mm. Mm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that it's one of those I think it's I think that's also a very touchy subject not to discredit anybody for any of the hard work they put in for their talent that's not what I'm trying to do but I think that their celebrity status kind of not necessarily goes sometimes it can go to your head um in thinking that you're no longer a part of our community. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because at the end of the day, I guarantee you, you still another nigga. Ooh. Ooh, man. Language. I'm just kidding. Um, well, again, there we're a judgment-free zone. You can say what you want. This is not for kids. That is one thing about the Questioning Everything podcast. This is an adults-only group. Uh, 18-year-olds, kids, when you turn 18, you can join. But until then, stay out. Um. <laughs> So I'm never going to cover your language as long as it's not excessive, but I hear what you're saying. I hear your point. But how about you? How do you feel? We got two minutes. I'm going to give you one minute wrap up because uh, my husband, <laughs> my sweet husband has Bible study at nine o'clock. <laughs> he leads Bible study. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a touchy subject. Um, the little Wayne thing stands out to me. Kanye West is another example. I mean, the fact that he decided to run after many people explained to him, do not put your name into the presidency because you have the potential of really, really screwing up this, this election. I'm not, I mean, not super screwing it up, but just don't do it. It's such a, a, a very, come on, Kanye, would you really be able to be a president? Can we count on you not to have a, a, a this is someone that has had, period after period of period of serious mental breaks. And I'm not saying that someone with mental health issues cannot be our president, but we can see that his met his mental health care was not being properly managed. So already first of all, you said what? We've already dealt with someone with mental health issues. Let's okay. Be- yeah, we're still dealing with it. We still we got 14 more days or 30 something odd days, but it's scary. Y'all. So yeah, as much as that, there, there's the celebrity says there's something to it. And unfortunately it detaches you. And it comes back to that whole concept of socioeconomic status, all of that. When you get to a certain level of privilege within our society, whether that's a celebrity privilege or wealth, it, it, it can cause you to be detached from the issues of real people. And that's, I think, what's happened with a lot of these black people who just seem to be making decisions that don't seem to align with the experiences of black people who aren't wealthy or celebrities. Yeah, I completely concur. I completely agree. Thank you. So I'm going to quickly, sorry, you can say your piece. No, no, no. I just want to say thanks to everybody for, for tuning in. We'll definitely get back with you um, for some more conversation. This has been an amazing experience. Next time we'll be better. We'll make sure we can try to get the comments on the screen. Yeah, next time what we're going to do before I even go live, I'm going to open it up at uh, 6.30. I'm not even going to do the event through, um, because what I'm realizing is that we have to make a chat room to have all of you in the room to be able to chat with us if you want to show your video or even just be able to put your chats and we can all see them and read them. So next time I'm going to set it up at least a half an hour early, earlier. We're going to do this once a month. We'll set up the, we'll look through the dates to try to do the next one. Uh, I would love it if Bell wants to join again, being the comment moderator. We'd love to have you um, be our moderator again. And uh, dinner table folks that weren't able to be in the actual video. We're so sorry. We're going to do this again. I promise monthly. We're going to do monthly in, impromptu little town halls uh, to have you all there, have your points um, shared, have your, have your inputs. We loved it. Thank you. We love y'all. 
Thanks for showing up. Thanks for sharing your perspectives. So many big hearts. Let me stop sharing my screen so you can see my, my goofy looking face. But uh, love you guys. Oh, I'm gonna miss you. <laughs> Happy, Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, because we're gonna take a two-week two hiatus, three to four-week hiatus, actually. We're coming back in the new year with lots of more episodes. We're gonna have another episode of the live version. Tune in. See you guys later. <gasps> Thanks, Jess. Love you. Thanks, Jesse. Love you. Bye, folks. Bye. Okay, let me close this out. There we go. We're done. We're done. We're out of here. So that does it for another episode of the Questioning Everything podcast. Next week, we'll be dropping a conversation I had with a talented writer, businesswoman, mother, wife, and friend of mine from my days living on the West Coast in Los Angeles. QP's special guest is Emma Alvarez-Gibson, and we'll be sharing more about her as we lead up to that episode's release. One of the topics we talk about is cultural appropriation and the curious case of Hilaria Baldwin's on-again and off-again Spanish accent. Can't wait to share that conversation and more about Emma with all of you. The Questioning Everything podcast is the main multimedia project of a forthcoming nonprofit organization called The Human Movement that was founded by me, your host, Gozi. This show is a labor of love that we hope will continue to grow. Want to be part of this movement and the show? Visit The Human Movement online at www.thehumanmove.org. That's www.thehumanmove.org. You can also send us an email at the address in our show notes. Don't forget to connect with us on social media by following us on Instagram and Twitter at Q underscore E underscore podcast, and on Facebook at the Questioning Everything Podcast. Just look for the black and white bunny logo. Thanks for listening and showing your support. If you really like the show, please give us a positive rating on the platform you use to listen to the podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Be well and don't forget to question everything. Everything.